Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in to Nick's Mail.Bag. And guess what? We actually have a, a sponsor for once. Uh, brought to you by Ticket IQ. Check out Ticket IQ for Nick's tickets. Uh, they have been sharing data recently, and thanks to the Knicks being a little bit on a downturn, so of ticket prices. So if you use promo code Strickland, you can get $10 off an order of $100 or more. Really not too shabby, all things considered. If you uh, snag a couple seats in the upper bowl or something, want to just go experience a game live at the Garden, you can save 10 bucks just from your good friends at the Strickland. So, again, promo code Strickland on Ticket IQ, you can get $10 off. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm the host of this here little podcast. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Alex Wolf or on Locked on Knicks. And I'm joined by my two illustrious co hosts today. During our during our pre-show talk, he was a little quiet, so I'm going to get uh, my first guy involved in the action here early. I've got Zach Wack Delizio uh, at ZJ Delizio on Twitter. What's going on, Zachary? I, I'm feeling particularly illustrious. Thank you. Particularly illustrious. Wow. Yeah, you just said that. Well, hold on. Zach's sound sounds fucking awful. Yeah, right? it did sound. Yeah. It, it, wait, did now it change from okay, what I was talking two minutes ago. Well, yeah, now it sounds okay, but when you were like responding to Alex's intro thing, you you I couldn't even really hear you. Wait, that's yeah. is it okay now? Now it yeah. sounds okay. It like weirdly crackled when you. Hang on, is no. now is it do is it okay now? Yeah. yeah, that's weird. I literally didn't do anything. <laughs> okay, well just okay. just start just start off from introducing yourself again. I'll just edit this little bit out. Oh, uh, right. Okay. <laughs> you said you're feeling illustrious today, or something, which makes no sense. So go ahead and try again. I'm feeling illustrious today, Alex, because of your use of the word illustrious, which I think is what you said, unless I'm having a stroke. Uh, how are you, my man? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm good. Oh, man, that was fun. All right. Uh, and I'm also joined by Matt Weiss, who you might know as Matt Weiss or Wampirm on Twitter. What's up, Matt? How are you? 
I'm I'm doing okay, Alex. I got to say, though, a little inside baseball here. Uh, we had to redo Zach's response to you, and and I just want the listeners to know that Alex asked Zach to not say he was playing <laughs> and Zach did it. Anyway. You know, the best laid plans. Uh, Listen, get, this is America, gentlemen. Get ruined by Zach having five seconds worth of latitude to decide <laughs> to do something. Jeez. Um, <laughs> you were sitting there thinking for a second, what do I say, too? And then you're just like, nah, no. No, I was. I was. But <laughs> I couldn't come up with anything. So, you know, I ne- just dove in. Never <laughs> mind. In. Illustrious it is. Uh, all right. So uh, I'll give the quick Patreon pitch. Then we can get into the actual show here and answer questions. Because we have a lot of questions, as always. A lot of them off the Discord, which you can get into by joining the Patreon. Of course, if you go to patreon.com slash the Strickland or just click on the big old banner ad on the Strick.land, our regular website, you can check that out. A lot of great tiers that you can join in on for six bucks. You can get uh, the other Nick's mail.bag, which last week uh, had Drew Steele and uh, Stingy on it. And we had someone in the in the comments ask, who are these crackheads doing this podcast? <laughs> so that's as good an endorsement as any, quite frankly. Uh, so, you know, that that's but usually it's Schwinn and Jeremy or Schwinn and Drew. Uh, and you can also get access to Friday Pod Strickland with Schwinn and Prez, uh, as well as Strick and Roll, uh, Schwinn's new podcast that he does with with a guest every other week. Or no, I'm sorry, that Strick and Roll. I screwed up the pitch, damn it. Uh, Strick and Roll is in the nine dollars here, which is the next tier up if you want to get even more podcast from us you can get the stricken roll podcast there and you can also get great written articles from matthew miranda and jack huntley and uh, we've had some really good ones come out recently and we have a fun project that we're going to be announcing by the end of this week uh through the patreon as well that is going to be from uh matthew miranda as well and uh so yeah and you also for that that six dollar tier you get access uh to the strickland discord where we have a bunch of fun discussions also where we have the mailbag questions uh, uh, get collected um, as well as on Twitter. So if, if you're on Twitter and you want to have, you know, see the the more behind the scenes discussions or whatever, be sure to join in. Then you can be part of the Strickland discord as well. All right. I'm done with the pitch. Uh, we're ready to get into the questions and we've got a bunch, like I said, so I'm going to get right into it. We have two questions that were left over from uh i i said last week on the document when i wrote this up it's definitely like three weeks ago at least but they were both still relevant so it's fine you've got mail uh the first one comes from blind angel at blind hernandez uh need another rick and morty impersonation but here's the scene tibbs yelling at noel to catch the ball (laughs) um all right who wants matt you usually do morty pretty good do you want to be my uh uh, Noel Morty, right? Yeah, I, I should be Nerlens, right? Yeah, and I, yeah. I'll be I'll be Rick, I guess. Okay. <clears throat> you gotta see if my voice can handle this. I'm coming off uh, coming off the uh, health and safety protocol list here. We'll see if I can <laughs> I can handle a Rick impression. <clears throat> Let's see, uh, Nerlens, <clears throat> Nerlens, we need you to we need you to catch the ball, Nerlens. It's just uh, it, 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 it's not doing good. You know, you, you're not catching the ball, and it's uh. uh you know, we, we really need to see you catch the ball a little bit. You know, I made you uh, uh, these 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 glue gloves, Nerlens, and uh, you know they, they they look a little clunky. You know, the, the the refs might ask you about them, but just say that 
say that uh, they're for a condition you have, okay? Uh, uh, oh, geez, Tibbs. I, I don't know, Coach. I, I feel like, you know, I have frying pans for hands. So if you – I don't know if you could glue them on. Uh, you know, they already look really weird. Um, oh, geez. I I don't know. Uh, Nerlens, you don't you don't understand the science, Nerlens. You know, the, 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 you, you can't change frying pan. It's always, it's always it's always the science with you, Coach. I don't. We're playing. We're we're playing. Ba- you know, basketball. It's ba- it's basketball, not science. Basketball. It's not called frying pan ball, Nerlens. Frying pan. You have the frying pans, and we need to get rid of those frying pans. Okay, you know. So I, you, they're they're my hands, Coach. Jeez, they're it's they're my hands. I I don't. I was born with them. My, Look, you know, it, I, I've told you before, my, my father was an oven and my, my mother was a, a piece of steel and jeez, <laughs> they just kind of, that's how I came out. Yeah. yeah sometimes you gotta make sacrifices for this game, Nerland. You know, <laughs> I, I, I told you about how I had my, my testicles removed and replaced with basketballs because of my love of the game. And, and you know, it was, it was very hard, very painful, very so, painful. But I don't, it helps me be no, better as a basketball do you, do you want me to? Fuck a bunch of whores? I, I don't really understand how that's I don't I don't get it. No, what I really need you to do is have sex with this VCR. Hey! We made it. Nice. <laughs> Alright, we made it to our, our most running joke. Alright, good. Hopefully that was a good Great uh, job. Tibbs and was great. I was trying to remember while you were talking first, Alex, what Zach said, that like terrible ideas I came up with for what Nerlens' hands were made up of last year, but I just couldn't remember, so I went with oh, I, I don't Oh yeah, because we all had we all had things we had to say his hands were made out of. Yeah. Oh, wasn't it French pastries? And there there was butter everywhere or something? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. I'm creative, guys. I think it was that his hands were actually like made of croissants or something. There was also um I don't remember the the context for this at all, but that that love story that you tried to come up with for uh yeah, that, was, that was fantastic. That was, <laughs> was that terrible. Was <laughs> I forget what it was too, but I had a way better, a way better thing right before that, and that was like my backup idea. And yeah, then you guys were like, "Why yeah. did you even share that?" And I was like, yeah. "I don't know. I just because I felt like it." <laughs> Shut up. That's All the right. spirit. Yeah. Anyway, moving to the next question here. Uh, this is another one that was that just missed the cut last time, but was still relevant now. So I figured we'd uh, go ahead and and answer it. You've got mail. So fuck your couch wants to know uh, at Jose Payan seven. What is a Knicks type of player? I think we have a civil war problem. Look at our roster, even G league and stashes. Who's team Aller and who's team Perry. Um, I mean, the other thing to consider is team Perrin, uh, who I think is the one actually calling the shots here. Like if anything more so than Aller and Perry. Oh, well, I guess more. I guess that's more from free agent signings. But like in the draft, I would say that it's more like, is it a worldwide West player or a Walt Perrin player? But I think that their their sensibilities intersect a bit there. Um, I don't know. I mean, what do, what do you guys think? Do you think that there's sort of a like? Let's just say only moves that have been made in the Leon Rose era. Do you guys think that there's a, a sort of a divide within the Knicks front office about what type of player they value? I don't, I don't think so. Um, I'm trying to think of like how you could divide them according to really anything on the court, off the court. Uh, I I don't really know. Like it seems like they're by and large attracted to 
like hard workers, like yes, you know, like basketball heads, especially who they draft, like like Obi, Quickly, Grimes, Deuce are all just like gym rats that seem to like love to just play basketball and get up a million shots and whatever. RJ, they've embraced because he's that type of guy. Uh, Julius apparently is that type of guy, um, you know, and and would you know be first in the gym in the new city that sort of thing. So that's why they gravitate to him. I don't know. I mean, they like guys that can create their own shot and guys that can shoot. You know, that's definitely a universal truth. I yeah. don't know, Matt. Matt, do you have do you see any any sort of divides among like the type of player that the Knicks value in this? I, I feel like the divide isn't in the front office, but it's between Tibbs and the front office. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, Tibbs has a say in, in player evaluation and, you know, obviously. But, like, I kind of feel like they're all pretty aligned in the front office on what they want. And it's just Tibbs doesn't really want the same things. And, you know, his voice carries enough weight that sometimes he wins. Yeah, I guess that's partly it. I mean, yeah, there's obviously a couple guys on the team that you could say for sure. Are like, these are Tibbs guys, which would be like. Tate. Oh, that's right. Uh, Taj and Rose. Yeah, thank God Peyton's not. <laughs> uh, but like Taj and Rose are like Tibbs guys because he specifically probably requested to get those guys back. Uh, even though Taj had been with the Knicks the year before. But like I don't know. I, I don't really see it. I don't really see like a see like battle lines being drawn, at least not not since Rose has taken over. You know, I think maybe you could say that there it seems a lot of time like they're maybe not super fond of Mitch. Um, although they see the the potential and the utility with him, and like Tibbs definitely sees something that he likes in Mitch, but just hasn't been able to get it consistently enough yet. Um, I definitely think like if you had asked Tibbs if he wanted to sign Kemba, he probably would have said no, based off how things have gone this year. Uh, but the front office, I think, was probably pretty unified on that because they wanted more creation and more outside shooting. And same with Fournier. So yeah, I don't know. I. I I think that I think it's pretty unified. I don't know. I don't really see a a huge divide here within the team as far as who's getting picked up for what and all that sort of thing. There's not even they're not even really doing any of the second draft type guys anymore. You know, maybe some maybe uh, Samanich, Lucas Samanich. I think that's how you say his name. Um, maybe that's a Scott Perry signing because he's like a typical like second draft kind of guy. But uh, I mean that's. That's hardly a consequential thing for the Knicks right now because he's playing for the G League and who knows if he's ever going to get called up to the big roster. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think – I don't really see it. I don't really see it. Uh, but I, do you guys have anything to add to that before we move to the next questions here? No. No. Okay. All right, moving to the questions that came in this time around. So we've got a mix of questions from Discord and from uh, Twitter. So we'll start off with some Discord questions here. You've got mail. First one comes from Bomber BCM. Uh, their obvious flaws aside, this is the best collection of young, 25-ish and younger talent the Knicks have had since blank. Uh, Matt, I'll throw it to you first. What do you think? Uh, 1970? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> I don't... Because, like, in the... It, it, were there... I don't, there wasn't like the same kind of core around Patrick Ewing, even though those teams were better. So, yeah, I mean, like it actually might be like 1970. 
Yeah, the only thing that I'm looking for real quick, hold on, let me see if I can just quickly pull this up, would be like the early 90s Knicks before like some of the guys had sort of blossomed. Like those guys were relatively young. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, I don't, That's what, yeah, I like didn't really remember who was... Yeah, even even them though they they were pretty old. I mean, I, granted, rookies just used to be older, you know. But like they had they had Greg Anthony who was twenty four, Anthony Mason was twenty five, yeah. Mark Jackson was twenty six. Jeez, uh, uh, I guess that was pretty much it. Oh, John Starks was twenty six also on that team. So I guess that's like I mean they almost meet the threshold there. And that was like right before they all kind of popped in like the ninety one to ninety two season. So like they were all good, but not quite to the quite to the level that they would eventually be when the Knicks like yeah, that's finals. that's probably the answer. Then I, I just didn't remember how old those guys were. They they're still a little too old for the criteria, though. To be he did say twenty five ish and younger. Yeah, yeah. So I guess twenty six counts, but they're all yeah. like right at the top of the threshold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the Knicks, these you know the players on the Knicks are are not really even close to it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Zach, what do you think? Do you think there's any other times that the Knicks have had a good statement? I honestly have no – I don't think so. I think – I mean, I, I'm i 30 years old, so I was born in 1991. So yeah. I don't really know. I will absolutely take your guys' word for it. The only other thing I can entertain is like when Patrick Ewing was drafted, right, like he is almost by definition better than any of the young players that we have right now. But – other than that, like in singular talent alone, but there's obviously a ton of depth, and these guys are even younger the the guys we have right now. So um, it's an interesting that that's the only counterpoint I can think of. Yeah, even like his first couple of years. I mean, he was a 23 year old rookie. He was like Obi Toppin, like he was right. an old rookie. Uh, you know, if it was honestly, if Patrick Ewing was coming out in the present day he probably would have slipped to like the eighth pick in the draft because people would have been like, oh, four-year college player, he's 20, 22, going to be 23 by the time opening night hits, you know, whatever. Like, I, he probably would have slipped. He will, I, yeah, but if you're playing that game, he, he wouldn't have been a four-year college player. Yeah, that's true, too. That's true, because he was he was pretty damn good, like, yeah. through college. Yeah, it's not like he was only good as a senior, so. Um, I guess that's a better question. Who was the last extremely good college player to go all four years? I feel like it was probably like Dame? J.J. Redick. Did Dame go all four? Dame did, but he was a mid-major, like, so I I feel like that's different, you know, like, he just kind of exploded onto the scene by being so good his senior year that, like, he Yeah, same thing with career. Steph, right? I mean, like, he, Ste- And Steph know. only made it three years, because he went to Dame. Oh, I didn't, re- I forgot that he didn't go the fourth year. Um, yeah. He could have come out his second year and, and, like, gotten drafted, but I don't think he yeah. would have necessarily been a lottery pick right, right. just yet. And then, like, he exploded his third year. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. He wasn't the same with Dame. He, like, wasn't good until last year. Not yeah, that he was and, bad, but he wasn't as good until that last year. Yeah, um, I guess maybe, like, Redick wasn't wasn't quite Redick until his fourth year either. So maybe that's not a perfect, perfect – Well, I guess that's the thing, right? Like, you could never now – like, no one would ever stay four years now if they, unless they did only blow up their last year. Yeah, yeah. I would say maybe the closest thing that we can find to something like what the Knicks have going on right now is – so in uh, 1986 to 87, so Ewing's second year, they had Ewing at 24 years old, Gerald Wilkins at 23, Kenny Skywalker at 22, 
Um, Eddie Lee Wilkins, who I feel somewhat familiar with for some reason. I, I don't remember if he really ever accomplished anything. They had multiple Wilkinses? Yeah. Eddie <laughs> Lee Wilkins and Gerald Wilkins. Yeah. Only one Not of them was name. only one of them was related to Dominique Wilkins, which was Gerald <laughs> Wilkins. Um but yeah, and then a few other guys towards the bottom of the bench that didn't really get a ton of run, but like those those four guys all got a pretty good amount of run on that team. So uh I guess maybe that's the closest, but I still think this is probably the best the best collection of young talent in the in the scope of this question, like twenty five and under that the Knicks have ever had. It's in our lifetimes, yeah. Definitely in our lifetimes. Well, definitely in our lifetimes. Yeah. I think just Which is crazy. Long. That's crazy though. Well, yeah. no, they must have because they they got they traded for Monroe was wasn't he like twenty unbelievably like twenty five when they traded for him? Oh yeah, he I mean he was like in his prime. He might have been like twenty seven, right? So like, and so was Clyde still. Um, so those two guys alone is probably a better core than than they have now. Yeah, but they were older. I don't know if they were. Is what I'm saying. I, I mean, I'm, no, I'm pretty sure they were. Hold on, I, I could pull that up too while we're at it. Because um, I'm pretty sure. So they traded for him in the seventy. 70, 71, 72 season. I think 71, 72, yeah. And um, they had been drafted in the mid-60s, so they had to have been. Probably been drafted in, I think, 67. Uh, let's see. Willis Reed was 29, Monroe was 27, and Clyde was 26. Okay, so, so pushing it, yeah. Also similar to what we were talking about before with the 90s. They were kind of. Yeah. They were older, but they, they were like definitely like squarely in their prime. No, they were in their primes. Yeah, they were in their yeah. primes. Um, all right. So, but I think we can move to our, our next question. I just threw this one in here because it was funny. It's not necessarily relevant. Uh, but I said in the in the solicitation for questions, like, feel free to ask any question about R.J. Barrett, R.J. Barrett, R.J. Barrett, or R.J. Barrett. You've got mail. And so uh, Ace B in the Discord just says R.J. Barrett. Do you guys have any reactions to that? R. J. Barrett. Thank you. All right. All Damn, right. I thought you were going to leave me out to dry first. I was like, guys. I I, I was going to leave you out to dry. All right. Uh, now do R.J. Barrett as Morty. Go. I, that's a little tough to do. It's just like what? what Actually, R.J. Barrett as Morty would be so, like if it was. Oh, you want it, like you want me to be RJ as Morty? No, no. Now I was just thinking about that though, as I just said that, and I'm like, you know, that would be kind of funny, like because RJ is like so monotone and yeah, yeah. There, there's no one less like Morty than yeah. RJ. Byron. Yeah, like Dude, really, it's very different. Oh, gee, Rick, I don't, I don't know uh, what we're gonna do today, but whatever you do, it's fine with me. Let's just go ahead with it. You know, I, I have no strong feelings. <laughs> yeah, right. it wouldn't be nearly as good if it was uh, Rick and RJ. <laughs> You've got mail. All right. Uh, far off the mark, uh, asked us a question on Discord, one of our European compadres. By the way, I want to just throw it out there. We haven't heard from Nemo in a while, our buddy Nemo from uh, sunny France. So, or maybe blustery France right now. I don't know. Whatever Nemo, it must be, we miss you, Nemo. Yeah, Nemo, if you're listening, we'd love to some questions. I feel like it's been like two episodes. We haven't had any Nemo questions. Shouts to Nemo. But uh, anyway, Mark, uh, far off the mark ass, for, uh, from Germany, I might add, uh, what is the worst contract the Knicks have handed out in the 2000s that you would like to have on Zach, today's roster? stop it. It's so hard to read the question. Yeah, Zach, Zach keeps clicking around and making... 
this very difficult. I'm not even highlighting it. I'm just moving. Yeah, but your, your little anonymous Kraken tag comes up whenever you move your cursor. Yeah, stop moving <laughs> your cursor. Right. You, or just move it further up the document. Yeah, like, yeah, I'll do it up here. It's fine. You oh, ADD, God. ADD-stricken mirror. Sorry, Alex. I'm, I'm literally, I'm not even, it's like absent-mindedly fiddling with a pen. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I try to I try to read along with you, you know, for obvious equally, reasons. Equally as annoying. Yeah. At any rate, I'll, I'll read it one more time. <laughs> What is the worst contract the Knicks have handed out in the 2000s that you would like to have on today's roster inflation adjusted? So let's think back to some of the bad contracts from the 2000s. There was uh, there was the Eddie Curry deal where he got paid like $10 million a year, which the equivalent of that now would probably be like paying that version of Eddie Curry like $25-ish million a year because uh, it was like just shy of a max contract at that time. Um, we could talk about the Jerome James deal, which was probably the equivalent of giving Jerome James like 15 million ish. It was, that was basically like the Noah contract before the Noah contract. Um, we could talk about, uh, what didn't Malik Rose make like way too much money for a while there. I think that he was one of those really bad deals. Um, they were all geez, they were awful. I mean Yeah. We really should be more grateful that uh even though the Knicks are annoyingly mediocre this year, they're not that. Yeah, I'm trying to look up what like the peak year was for the bad contracts. Uh oh five, oh six, not that bad, all things considered. I mean, like Quentin Richardson made like seven million, which was somewhat defensible at the time, depending on how you felt about Q, I guess. So that's maybe a candidate for like how far we would go. Like Quentin Richardson probably made about twelve million by today's standards or something like that. Mm. Um, oh man, bad. this is a trade. But Steve Francis on basically a max contract for back then, Ugh. fifteen million dollars. Uh, J- oh baby, this is another trade. Jalen Rose for fourteen and a half million dollars, which would the- like definitely be a max contract now, right? Uh, like roughly, yeah, let's say like 30 million or something, yeah, but like well past his prime, yeah. Um, trying to think here, who else? Jerome Williams made seven million dollars, he was never worth that much money, so that's Schwinn, like paying. We mentioned Kurt Thomas in, in the Discord, Kurt Thomas, huh? Yeah, I mean, I never thought that. I mean, Kurt's deal was pretty big. I, I think probably the worst one, if we're talking about deals like that, would be McDice. McDice's deal, yeah, was horrendous. Uh, he, got, well, he got hurt immediately, though, right? So, like, what oh, do you... Yeah. yeah. He was like Amari yeah. before Amari. He made, yeah. in 2003 to 2004, he made $13.5 So, and Alan Houston was making 15, or basically $16 million. So, that was, like, that was Alan Houston's uh, $100, $100 million contract or whatever. So, that means that McDice had to be making very close to a max that year. Yeah, so that's a bad one because that was sort of like the Amari deal before the Amari deal, but you didn't even get that one fun season's worth out of it. Um, oh god, Penny Hardaway for fourteen and a half million that next year, <laughs> that was bad. Oh man, they had so much bad money that they handed out. Kurt Thomas yeah. only made about six million. I, I really don't think his was that bad of a deal. No, like, I, yeah. I remember him just consistently being like, maybe that's why Shun was saying that's the only guy he would be willing to. Yeah, that could be. To, to actually bring yeah. on, though, like that's as far as he'd be willing to go. I think that's yeah, maybe I mean, like, a good answer. Those players all were old or sucked. So, yeah. 
like I think Schwinn's right. <laughs> That's the only answer. Yeah. I mean, all right. So here's here's maybe a sleeper candidate, Tim Thomas for thirteen million. Uh, but Tim Thomas was kind of ahead of his time. Like he would be a good stretch big in today's NBA, I think. So maybe Tim Thomas, like that would be the equivalent of like a twenty to twenty five million dollar deal. I mean, that's definitely not great, but he was at least he his one his best half season with the Knicks. He averaged oh god, he only actually played did he only play that half season with the Knicks? I thought he played oh man, I thought he played like two years with them. I don't know how I remember this one half season. But so he played a half season with the Knicks. Or no, no, he did play two full seasons. There it is. It just got lost. All right. The the first half season when he got here, though, he, he averaged 16 points on 45% from the field, 41% from three, and 81% from the line. That's that's pretty good. I think I might sign up for that. Yeah. That's that's not too shabby. Um, so I think I would go Tim Thomas. I think maybe that's that's my my absolute max, but that that's really pushing it. And I'm like, I'm only doing this if if it's essentially like the Knicks are already capped out and we can get Tim Thomas plopped on the roster for free. Um, Cause I think his utility would be good, but that's, it is way too much money. Um, Zach, do you have a different answer? No, but you made a good case. I, <clears throat> I didn't watch the early 2000s Knicks. So <clears throat> I have no idea what these guys are. So well, I know the names because obviously I've heard of Jerome James and all that, but based on the way you described them, I think you came to the right conclusion. Yeah, I I guess I'll give one more honorary shout out to Zebo Zach Randall Zach Randall <laughs> Zach Randall <laughs> Zach Randolph. I mean, Freudian flip. Uh, Zach Randall would be an interesting player though. If you could so he could not play behind Julius Randall also. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Zach Randall. Um, no, but uh, Zach Randolph, I'll give honorable mention to because I mean he obviously had a lot of game left uh, after he left the Knicks, and so I think that. He was making thirteen point three million in oh seven oh eight, which was still somewhat close to a max contract. So you figure he's probably, you know, in that range. But he went on to make that amount of money for the Grizzlies and be like, well worth it with those grit and grind teams. Yeah, true. So I think maybe he's a strong candidate too uh, for the max out of this category. But good question from Mark, and we just we just talked about him, so we'll get through uh, Schwinn's questions now from Schwinny Pooh in the Discord. You've got mail. Ignoring the post-game comments from Julius regarding the fans, so it's a three-parter, so we'll do part one. Part one, am I wrong, or does it seem like there were a ton of Knicks fans who seemed eager to give up on him as soon as he struggled? And isn't that a little weird, given that he actually did have an incredible season last year? <laughs> uh, Zach, you, you didn't have much involvement on the last question. What do you feel about <laughs> the fans' reaction to Julius so far? Yeah, I, I never actually thought of this so concretely. But I think this is sort of right, and if I had to guess, it's actually because of the season before, um, where people sort of made up their minds about him subconsciously and maybe dug in so far that seeing him play well was like almost annoying. Because th- that's happened to me, not not anymore. I I mean, not to- you're, now you're perfect. Yeah, well, I was about to be like not to be like a pretentious asshole, but <laughs> listen, now like sometimes this has happened. We've talked about things on this pod where the opposite happens in the next week or two, and I'm like, boy, I look like an idiot. But then I'm like, that's okay. We're not. No one's perfect. It's fine. We can move on with our lives. I'm gonna enjoy myself rather than being vengeful about this and like rooting against it. But when I was younger, I would do that all the time. I would root 
for my interests rather than uh, for like the, I don't know, the team itself, I guess. You know what I mean? So I'm guessing it's a manifestation of that same thing because it doesn't make any sense. He was so, he had the best season of like the last decade last year. So like, what are we, why would you want him to fail? But it seems like people do. No, you're totally right. That's exactly what it is because people are, you know, weird and stubborn and I'm not like, I'm not exempting myself from this either, but also we're just answering Schwinn's question here. So don't get mad at me if, if you feel, you know, uh, like we're talking about you here, but um, if people are, you know, like egotistical and like they didn't think he was good, like you said, two years ago, and they like to be right. So when it looked like they were wrong, it was like a lot of people were like begrudgingly admitting they were wrong and they couldn't fucking wait to be like, oh, actually, I was right. I'm right. a genius well, this year because the- like, everybody wants to like you know, brag on the internet about how right they are about everything. Yeah, the, the funny thing is they weren't wrong. He did suck, but then he did. Yeah. And now he kind of like, hey, somewhere in the middle now. So yeah, I, I don't like, I don't know. I, I don't want to go in a whole like, well, I guess this answers Swin's next question. So I'll save it. But um, he, he's not as, he's not nearly as bad as he was two years ago. Yeah. This year. So like, it's, it's just, you're, it's, you're, it's that you're right. There's just so many, everyone is just, like couldn't wait to be like actually I was right. Right. Yeah. I so I don't think it's a hundred percent those type of people for what it's worth. Like I definitely think that's part of it. That part of it was the people that are just like like vindictive assholes that are just like, aha, like I was right all along. Let me quote tweet myself from two years ago. Just yes. how right I was. <laughs> um there are people like that. I think there are also some people that are just like the the beaten down and abused Knicks fans that the second that they saw traces of, you know, 2019 to 20 Julius Randle immediately were like, Oh God, here it comes again. Are they being Morty? (laughs) (laughs) Oh geez, Rick. (laughs) I can't believe that, that Julius is, Back to being Julius from 1920 again. Can we go get the one out no, of the 19, 2020? Oh, oh, you meant you meant 2020. It was like 1920. What? What? Can we go get the one out of out of the 2021 universe again? Um, <laughs> Julius C120 or yeah. Julius C2021. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So uh, you know, I, I think that there are some people that have just tapped into that, and so they. You know, there's like two different segments of fans that immediately were ready to just pounce on the negativity of it all and for various, uh, you know, reasons. I guess. Unlike us, me, you, Zach, Schwinn, yeah. we're very smart, measured, nuanced, lack, lacking ego. You know, yeah, we're that's like, right. Julian, yeah. he was great. La- he wasn't good two years ago. Great last year. This year, it's a work in progress. But you know what? I, I'm just going to wait and see how it goes. And that's, yeah, and you know that's what? Like, we weren't taking questions about how to trade Julius for a second round pick <laughs> two years ago <laughs> on this podcast during our first episode. I, I didn't literally. I I don't know how many times I said before the season last twenty the twenty twenty one season. Can't they just cut him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, that's you know right. what's crazy? I, I just said I just said two years ago because it was like technically like I guess it was only like an off season and a half ago, but it was, that was like just over a year ago and it's already two and a half basketball season. Yeah. I mean, they traded for they, they like, they traded for Rose right around when they were at this point in the season last year, but this would yeah. happen a month later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, anyway, but so, uh, you've got mail. 
So yeah, that, that answers that part of Strun's question. Let's get to the next part, though. So number two, can Julius bounce back, or do you think this all ends with him getting traded at some point? Matt, I'll throw that to you since you were about ready to dive into an answer. Yeah, I, I just, I think he'll be fine. I mean, it's, you know, I, I he hasn't been, I, I, I know he's not shooting well, but like, I still think, even though sometimes he like plays like a fucking idiot, he is still like, the passing is still there. Um, I wish he would try a little harder on defense like he did last year. So that would be nice if he, you know, picked that up at some point. But like, I don't the selection the shot selection the shot selection's not great, but like there he like at least kind of can tell now when which he wasn't really doing early in the season when he like is just not gonna have it. So he like, you know, tries to focus more on distributing. Um so I don't know. I think he'll be fine. I, I don't think he'll be as good as he was last year, but like I don't really think anybody should have reasonably reasonably expected him to be as good as he's as he was last year because he like he was making shots at an unsustainable rate. But, like, I think he could be, you know, even if he's, like, 80, 85, 90% of what he was last year for the rest of the season, I think that's totally fine. Yeah, I'm I'm in general agreement with that, too. I think, like, the one thing that people are overlooking when you're singling out Julius's, you know, statistical imperfections this year is that, like, shooting is down across the league this year. And the officials don't know what's a foul anymore. So there's a lot of inconsistency as far as, you know, how they're calling plays on the perimeter and plays on the inside and things like that. That affects shooting numbers and stuff like that. You know, we've certainly seen a million times where Julius gets in, we think he gets hacked and then doesn't get a foul call. Um, So, you know, there's that to consider with his lower percentages and all that. But I think it's mostly just an effort thing. You know, it's it's like you said, you know, as long as he gives 100% effort, like I don't really care if he only scores – 15 points a game and throws six assists a game. If the team's winning and he's facilitating good ball movement and, you know, boxing his man out, you know, for rebounds and, you know, collecting those up and, you know, starting fast break opportunities and doing all the like good stuff that he does when he's at his best, then I I don't care how many points he scores. So, or even what his statistics are to be completely honest, like as long as the Knicks are winning. So yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I just so like in the grand scheme of the question, I think he can bounce back. I don't know if he can bounce back to last year's level, but I don't know if like anybody can really bounce back to last year's level because um, between the bubble and the the empty gym effect last year, I think the numbers got really screwed up um, and expectations got a little too high. But, you know, I think you can get somewhere to in the middle of where he's been so far and where he was last year by the end of the year. Yeah, something else I was thinking about while you were talking is like the players around him, he's just by the gravity he creates, he's getting them open shots all year and they're not fucking making them. Yeah. yeah Which like makes his job way harder and it's probably part of the reason I'm not excusing it, but like it's kind of probably part of the reason he's like a little lackadaisical occasionally. Because yeah, it seems very weird. Where where like it seems like what those passes for whatever reason just don't go in at the rate they should. That's what it was yesterday, right? In the Spurs game. Like Julius is diming guys up and it's it's brick city. And then the second half they come out and they're hitting everything when Julius just happened to be up four. It's the same quality shot from the same guys just happened to go in. Honestly, yeah. they're better quality shots because they're probably worse to like the better defenders are like collapsing in on Julius. So right. like yeah, it's it's just fucking weird. I, I think it'll it'll even itself out, and you know, at the very least, his assist numbers will go up, even if he isn't 
still not really making shots. Yeah, I, I agree. I just I the thing that bugs me the most about this, I agree with both of you guys completely. I just it's it's the effort thing and it's those those high visibility plays like when he when he is complaining about calls and doesn't get back. It's just like like bro, can you please just cut those out? Like please just for for our sake, like I want to defend you, but when you do shit like that, I I'm also like, well, yeah, I mean that's ridiculous. Just if he could just give continuous effort, I think people would be much more willing to live with the shooting struggles. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's probably it too. And you know what? I think that that sort of bleeds into the third question. So let's just get into that too. You've got mail. The third Julius-centric uh, question from Schwinn here. Would Julius be able to buy into a restructuring of the offense if, one, RJ and IQ can continue shouldering more of the playmaking and scoring burden, and when, two, Kemba and or Rose get back? Um, I'll, I'll take that first, I guess. Like, Yeah, I, I do think so, and I think he's been trying to sort of force that along um, to the points that you, know, you guys kind of made at, at different points about the distributing and stuff like, I think that he already kind of wants to have a little less of the burden on him as far as scoring. Um, I think as far as the playmaking goes, like we're starting to see a world, you know, the last few games where RJ's playing so well, where RJ takes some of that burden and, you know, where quickly is starting to play like, like a, the most like a point guard that probably any point guard has played on the Knicks this year, Kemba included, Rose included, where, you know, Julius is like really deferring to him and letting him set up possessions and stuff like that. So, I definitely think that we're getting to the point where that's becoming a thing. Um, and then with Kemba and or Rose getting back, yeah, I think I think we started to see that with Kemba where Julius was being a little more okay with the whole uh, uh, lessening of his burden thing. It's just I feel like sometimes the body language and stuff at least makes it seem like Julius is like almost pouting that other people are getting the shine, so to speak. And we all hope that's not the case, but if that is the case, he's he's got to he's got to correct that because, you know, th- this team will be best if he doesn't have to be a you know scoring machine or the guy bringing the ball up the floor every single time and could be used, you know, in situations that make it more likely he's going to score and stuff like that, which will help his percentages and probably help him find his spots better. So I think he should definitely be open to that. I think he has been showing that he's a little more open to that recently, but you know, the next few weeks will be pretty key to determining if, if that's going to be the case or not as the Knicks like finally get at least somewhat fully healthy again. Hopefully Kemba will be back soon. They've had their run of COVID already that ran through them, so they should hopefully be good through about the end of the season uh, as far as that's concerned. So we'll see how things go. But Zach, what do you think as far as him restructuring the role? Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is I, I agree with you. Uh, I think obviously I'm biased. Like, because I want him to buy into that. Uh, I don't really know. I don't know him. Uh, But he seems like, I mean, he plays unselfishly, right? Yes, he takes some dumb shots. That sort of comes with the territory. But in general, on the spectrum of, you know, particularly big men, uh, he does play a pretty unselfish brand of basketball, which, you know, leads me to believe he would be okay with that. The thing that I want, that, that I hope he recognizes is that, it is really important for particularly RJ and quickly uh, for these guys to continue pushing the limits of what they can do. And the reason for that is because 
it's going to force ad- force adjustments by the opponent. Right now, the scouting report is out on quickly, right? But right now, he's forcing a change in that. The way he's playing, you can't continue to guard him the way you once did. He's taking that mid-range pull-up. He's, hold- he's continuing his dribble. He's not picking up his dribble. He's playing much more intelligent and heady brand of basketball in the last week or two, right? So he's forcing a change on the scouting report. And that, that takes a little time to kick in. But once it does, that's actually going to open stuff up for other people. Quickly may not continue to to impress on such a scale every single night. But if he can prove that this is a regular thing, is going to force adjustments from the opponents. And the same with RJ. If he can continue scoring in the paint like that, teams are going to give him much more respect in the paint, which is going to open up other stuff. And that's what I hope Julius recognizes because that's the stuff that's going to make it easier for Julius. Where if quickly is getting more attention in pick and roll, he's going to get trapped and that over the top pass is there. And then Julius is in a four on three situation, which that's like, are you kidding me? That's a dream situation for him. He's going to make the right play every single time. And the same with RJ. You know, if teams are forced to pay more attention to him in pick and roll, that dump off fast is going to be more open. Like we saw with Taj yesterday where he fakes the shot, dumps off to Taj for an easy dunk, right? That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. And that's what I hope Randall recognizes. And in recognizing that allows quickly and RJ to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that all makes sense. Matt, do you have anything to add? No, I think you guys covered it. All right, cool. So tell you what, you can get the, the next question here. You've got mail from Schwinn Fro or braids for Deuce McBride. He's been rocking the braids a little bit lately. Obviously, he had the fro. For, I, I'll call it. It was almost more like a fro hawk, like because he had it kind of cut yeah. on the sides. But it, how, how, where do you stand on the fro hawk versus the braids? I honestly, I, I guess I just haven't noticed him on the bench since he's had he's had the braids. But I don't know what they look like, so I have to go with the fro. Hey, he came in the other day for like two minutes of spot duty at the end of the game. Hey, maybe I wasn't watching, or I don't know. But like, I, I you might not have even realized it was him. You might just yeah. be like, "Oh, who's that scrub?" Or whatever. Wait, <laughs> he yeah, didn't I do anything of note. <laughs> so I gotta go with the fro. I mean, I think he looks fine with the the afro anyway. But like, I I honestly, I, like I said, I don't know what the braids look like. So yeah, Zach, what do you think? Yeah, I'm basically in 100 agreement. But I, I do like the fro because his his hair is like a kind of cool color. I kind of like it, yeah. and I feel like the fro kind of shows it off more. So I'm team yeah. fro. Yeah, I like it too. If you're gonna have the blonde tips, like you may as well go with the the fro because I think that's a better look for that than than doing the braids. So I'm with you guys. I think Deuce, if you're listening, stick to the fro. You can take the braids out, save yourself some money. Uh, <laughs> You've got mail. And uh, Schwinn also asked another cosmetic question. Quickly is clearly a headband guy, right? I'm going to unequivocally say yes. Yeah. I'm also, I'm also going to shout out, like, I wish RJ would go back to being a headband guy because he did that his rookie year with, like, the cloth headband. thought that was a good look for him. I don't know why. Yeah, he but he sucked his rookie year, so I'd really rather he not wear it. <laughs> but he looked cooler. He okay. That's the most important thing. Everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying from a purely aesthetically pleasing perspective, I wish that he went back to the headband. But, yeah, quickly it's been associated with his better play now too. So Honestly, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Arda just doesn't sweat because he's, like, so even-keeled. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a like, wizard. His heart rate is still, like, 55 when he's running around playing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I could possibly see that. Zach, do you think Quickly's a headband man? Yeah. yeah. Come on. Obviously. Is there anybody on the team that should wear a headband that doesn't? Oh. I just uh, thought about that. Uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I can't see Grimes wearing one. That would look weird. Burks. Bur- imagine Burks wearing a headband. <laughs> that would not look good. <laughs> Honestly, if Burks wore one, that would be very, like, like 
mellow esque. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just the the high and tight with the yeah. with the headband. Like, you know, I can't I can't put it into words, but I just can't see that, and I don't know why. I don't yeah, know I, why. I can't either. It's it's like it's like I'm trying to do it in my brain, but like the the headband is magnetically resisting going to Brooklyn. <laughs> and I just I can't get it to work, so I, I don't think I could see that. Randall does wear it from time to time. Yeah. I get the fine look for him. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that's I, – I can't think of any uh, – Knox maybe? Maybe Knox should try it out. Did Knox ever wear one? No, maybe he should try oh. it though. He's got a big old forehead. Yeah, yeah. got to cover that thing up. True. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think Obi would look weird in a headband. Obi would look very weird with a headband. Obi would have kind of like a Kenny Martin vibe though. Yeah, he would, yeah. So I don't know, maybe maybe that could work in a way, but I think he looks good without one. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Obi shouldn't wear it either. I'm just gonna say Kevin Knox should wear it and get like the the thickest one possible. <laughs> the ninja headbands that they yeah. used to have. You should actually just wear a ski mask on the court. <laughs> Petition the league office. I gotta hide this thing, guys. Kevin Knox needs a ski, Kevin Knox needs a ski mask. Poor Kevin. We are so mean to Kevin Knox. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I feel bad, but the poor guy he doesn't even play. He just he just sits on the bench minding his own business. He's getting millions of dollars though, so yeah. you know. And he yeah. did he did play somewhat well in spot duty during the COVID absences. So yeah. that's props to him. There's his there's his praise for today. We'll give him his flowers. You've got mail. Uh all right. Jake Andrews at NY Critics uh, has a few questions for us. If I'm Rose, Leon Rose, that is, I'm doing a fire sale on Julius Kemba, Burks, and Fournier, and running out a starting lineup of IQ, Grimy, RJ, Obi, and Mitch. It'll never happen. But haven't we seen enough to know those vets can't be the pieces when we contend? So why wait? They're in the way. Um, Matt, I'll throw it to you first. What, what do you think as far as that's concerned? Um, I don't really agree. Generally, I mean, uh, maybe Fournier is finally picking it up, which would be nice. You know, he's had two good games in a row, separated by his uh, hip issue. Um, and probably would have had a third one, considering it was that the one he missed was also against Celtics. Um, I mean, I'm fine trading Burks. I, I like him, but it's not like they need him. Um, Kemba, whatever. Um, Julius, I just I don't think you're going to get like I, I wouldn't trade him because I think he'll be fine. But also, you probably wouldn't get like in a, a package that's worthwhile right now. Um, so, also, in general, like, I, I just don't see... They're still, like... They're 10th in the East right now. They're going to make... Like, that's a playoff team. I know you don't want to be in the play-in, but, like, I, I just don't... I, I would not, like, immediately jump ship like this and just be like, okay, we're going with the five rookies. Like, or not they're all rookies, but you know what I mean. The five the five young guys, like, I don't know. I, I don't... I think that we've seen the next... I know they were worse when they've done that before, but, like, the, the players are worse, but, like... We've seen them do that before. It doesn't work. Like the, they need like veterans around them to actually develop. If you immediately remove all the veterans from this team, um, and just run out like a rotation of nine young guys, first of all, I think Tiz would spontaneously combust. But um, <laughs> also, I just don't think that's a good recipe for development. Well, the other thing is, it just that strategy just rarely works ever in the NBA. It's not even just a Knicks thing. Like you know, there, you can count on like. Everybody thinks of them because they're the most they're the the examples that jump to the front of your mind the most. Like, oh, but the Warriors did it, you know. Oh, but the, um, you know, but like the Thunder did it. 
the Thunder are probably the most stark example of like just good drafting just got them the core of of um, Durant, Harden, and Westbrook. Yeah, when the Knicks draft three MVPs, you, you yeah. know, talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> but that'll probably like never happen in NBA yeah. history again. And like the Warriors are the other one that everybody brings up, but people always forget. Like, yeah, but guess what? The Warriors went from like like mediocre-ish to like really good when they acquired guys like David Lee and Andrew Bogut and yeah. Andre Iguodala, like all these really good vets that were like not megastars, but like Iguodala at the time was a coup that they got him. Like he was still very, very, very good. Also, Randall's still 27. I don't like yeah. he's not putting him in the, in the same boat as Kemba Burks and Fournier is like, I know why Jake is doing it, but it doesn't make any sense, honestly. Yeah, I mean, my other counter-argument to this, too, is that we literally just saw, like, what the Knicks look like without Julius Randle the other week. and like, Oh, God, they were awful. It was terrible. I mean, it wasn't all on those guys. They're just not used to playing without him. You know what I mean? So, just kind of a recipe for disaster. But they still look like crap. Like, do you really want to sign up for just complete nothing basketball for the rest of the year? Yeah, didn't didn't we see this already? We saw this with Knox, right? Yeah. yeah, like we the, saw Knox. Was that his rookie year when yeah. he was just? They were just letting him go, and we were Knox like, "Oh, like maybe Knox minutes. is okay. Like he doesn't yeah. play defense, but he's getting reps as a scorer, and he's going to win." And it didn't work. Like, yeah. yeah. The other yeah, thing was like we. I, it was only two games, and I love Obi, but like he looked exposed when he had to play thirty minutes a game while Randall was out. Yeah, yeah, and let's not say that I don't think that Obi could play thirty minutes a game. I hope. You know, my hope would just be like, let's start playing a lot of the young guys around Randall more because Randall seems to play better when he's playing with right. those guys. So, like, play Randall with Obi quickly and RJ more often. Yeah. And see how it goes. Like, and put out, you know, name your player, Quentin Grimes or, you know, whatever. Like, play a little small ball and just let him run with those guys and throw balls out to them and transition and out for three pointers and stuff like that and see how fun that is. Like, I think Julius still has, you know, plenty of room to be good with these guys, and and they can yeah together. Yeah. Also, um, what's what's the goal? Like, they've already won twenty games. So, okay, you trade those four guys today, right? The what are they? The Knicks not going to win another game all season. They you they're it's just going to be in a weird spot. Where they'll probably be like the twelfth pick in the lottery. Yeah, yeah, and that's the other thing. Like, just the, there's like a certain not to like crap on on Jake's like question here like the phrasing here but it's just sort of like there's a certain like uh assumption of like eventually contending if you just pivot to only playing these young guys because it's like so you know those vets aren't going to be the pieces when we contend it's like you know there's no guarantee that the knicks are going to contend dude like i i'd i would rather hold on to a number of the good you know the good players for now and like i'm not against trading burks for example i think that that would be a smart move this year because I think Burks is a luxury that could potentially get you like a first round pick or a, a couple high second rounders. Cause he's done that. Like at, prior to coming to the Knicks, he'd been traded for either two second round picks or a first round pick, like three straight years at the deadline. So he has a price and that's it. And he's probably a better version of himself than he was then now. So, you know, I, I think that that's a great idea if you want to do that. Cause he's a luxury, you know, and Grimes is starting to play good. So that's the sort of thing where I say, okay, yeah, trade that vet you know, for, for that reason, but don't, you know, Fournier, like, what are you going to just trade him for like a second round pick just to get off him? Yeah. The thing to do with Fournier is reduce his role. Yeah. Not, yes. like, 
he should be coming off the bench. Yeah. Not traded. And Kemba should be like, when he comes back, should be playing fewer minutes, not traded. You know, like he should be playing fewer minutes because he hurts his knees when he plays so many minutes. Yeah. And you want to be, you want to become, if you want to contend, you have to become a destination that is attractive enough to a player that either via free agency or more likely via trade, they go to their team and say, I want to trade to the Knicks. Get me to the Knicks however you can, but that's where I want to go. And you want to have those, A, those contracts of, you know, good, not great guys like a Fournier to have to trade for that potential star. But then you also want to have a good foundation in place where a star wants to say, I would like to come to New York and, you know, win something there. And I really like the young guys that they have, but I also like the veterans that they have. So, you know, if they deplete that a little bit to get me there, then they still have enough in place to contend. And then you're talking about contention. But, like, you know, as much as I love the young guys on the team, I think it's probably out of all five of those guys listed, IQ, Grimes, RJ, Obi, Mitch, you can throw Deuce in there too, I don't care. Like, out of all those guys listed, I don't – I would be surprised if they combined for more than – two all-star, three all-star games between them in their career at this particular moment. Now we're maybe seeing like a moment of growth from RJ that shows that he might be ready to turn the corner into like a star star. But I don't think any of them are going to be like, you know, perennial all-stars or anything. And you need those sort of players to, to win championships. So if that's the goal, don't commit solely to these guys. Cause you're just going to end up mediocre or worse. You'll end up just bad. Yeah, yeah. The the other thing is, like, the Knicks are kind of. I mean, they don't. There were no stars to really come here in free agency last offseason, but Kemba and Fournier came to the Knicks because of the exact reasons you were saying. And like, if they turn around and trade them half a season into their contracts, no other players are going to want to sign here because they're going to be like, they're just going to trade me if things if like the team is literally five hundred forty games into the season. Yeah, and and especially if they trade them with malice, like if yeah, like a. If it's like a Presti, Mori, whatever type yeah. of transaction where it's just like... That, that looks terrible. Yeah, where it's just like a cold-hearted business transaction of just like, we're just getting you out of here for a second-round pick because we want to tank and we don't want to pay you your money. You know, like, if it's if he gets... If Fournier gets included in a package for Ben Simmons or something tomorrow, nobody's going to bat an eyelash. You're going to say, oh, they're trying to make a winning move right there. Like, that's a good move. Not that I'm saying they should do that or that the Sixers would do that, but like... That just as an example, you know what I mean? But, like, if if they just offload him just to be like, just take him, just get him out of here. We don't want him anymore. It's that that looks pretty bad from a from a PR perspective and to other players around the league. Um, but at any rate, I think we can move to the next the next question here. You've got mail. Uh, would you another question from Jake Andrews? Would you say that RJ has the most swag overall? I think IQ when he's cooking is obviously the swaggiest Nick, but it ebbs and flows. Obi has his moments, but Tibbs has conditioned him to be an altar boy. Uh, Zach, what do you think? Who do you think has the most swag on the Knicks? Yeah, I think that's kind of right. Uh, I think I think Jake nailed it on this count. I, IQ really, when he gets going, definitely definitely got some swag. But uh, I think RJ has that kind of quiet, like steady swag, right? Where, like we were talking about before, like he doesn't seem phased by anything, he, and. and and when he gets going, he, you know, gets going also. And I kind of enjoy that the most. Yeah. Um, Matt, what do you think? I agree. Um, I think Jake is right. Um, and Zach is right about Jake being right. 
Yeah, I'll say I, I think so, too. And, you know, I think a lot of it is that calm demeanor that we talked about, you know, where it's like he just he's completely unflappable. But like he's also the most like memeable guy on the court. Like he makes lots of faces throughout the game and stuff. And it's like kind of funny, but also like he occasionally <laughs> makes the good like mean mug or whatever. Like he's very expressive in his face, but not so much in his in his actions or his like voice, you know, or like he doesn't get too excited after games or whatever, which carries an air of like act like you've been there before kind of thing. Um, yeah, which is cool and swaggy in its own right. Plus, yeah. he, I think he dresses pretty well off the court too. If we're going to include that as part of it, um, I think he's probably a top three dresser on the Knicks. Fashionista Alex yeah. coming through <laughs> quickly. Quickly takes the most chances with his fashion, I think. But RJ Ooh. consistently, I think, looks the most like put together. Was that a political way of saying quickly is out there sometimes? No, I was saying quickly like. Wait, what do you what do you mean by out there? Like like he's missing sometimes with the fashion. Oh, eh, I mean I, I <laughs> Yup, okay. The the one the one that sticks out to me with quickly last year, he wore this whole outfit that was like a like a matching flannel jumpsuit with a matching flannel mask. This and sounds I was just, awful. Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> like I got that he was going for something a little risky and like crazy, but it was like red flannel, like, or just plaid, I guess it wasn't actually like a flannel. It was just like a plaid, but it was like on like a, like a tracksuit kind of, if I remember correctly, or interesting, it just looked really weird. It was like, bro, this looks like sweatpants, like athleisure mixed with pajamas, but like in a really bad way. This Alex, I have a question way. for you. Do you yeah. look up everyone's outfit? Before the game starts or after? A lot of times they tweet them and I just happen upon it. Ah. Uh, now, have you ever seen these? I, I mean, I, I he is right. I just, like, don't pay attention. I know. That's that's what I'm wondering because I I don't note this stuff at all. So They scroll right past those. They definitely exactly. tweet them out, but I'm just, like, moving on with my life. I don't think twice about them. I mean, yeah. I will say Frank used to be, like, a, an appointment to look and see what he was wearing prior to Appointment? The yeah, like you'd have to look and see what Frank was wearing prior to the game. <laughs> I'll never forget. I wanted, if I could have, I, I would have stolen this jacket from him. It was one time when I was covering a game like at MSG, and he was wearing like the coolest fucking jacket I've ever seen in my life. It was like, <laughs> Did it was you take a like, picture? Uh, you can still find it online. He wore it into the game or whatever. Like I found it online like to buy, but it was just way too expensive. I didn't <laughs> what a shock. Um, yeah. yeah, right. It was like... Uh, it was like a Nike collab, but it had like all the countries of the world. Like it was a black jacket with like a little Nike branding on it. But then it had like all the countries of the world on it. But they were like in or all the continents, I guess I should say. But in different colors, like all over the jacket. And it was just so fucking cool looking. Did you describe a map on the jacket? Is that what you're saying? Sort of. But they, I don't think it was really like they weren't arranged like perfectly, you know, in sync with each other the way that they would on a map, you know. Okay. So like a deconstructed so. map. Yeah, basically. It's like a deconstructed <laughs> map on his jacket, if I remember okay. correctly. But it was a dope jacket. I would have totally, like, he was wearing it after the game, and I was like, damn, like, that looks awesome. <laughs> I And it was, like, the rare, somewhat high fashion thing that I was like, I think I could wear this, and it would still look good on me, too. You know, like, oh. it, was, it was, like, normal-ish, you know? Like, it wasn't, like, so out there that I'm like, I could never pull that off. I'm not cool enough for that. So, anyway. Uh, all right, to move to... Uh, to Jake's final question, I'm assuming this is speculative. This feeds into our nerd uh, nerdiness here. 
You've got mail. Um, so it's, I guess, like a fill-in-the-blank thing. So I, I think this is speculative of what we think. Maybe we could just rank which ones we think are going to be best to worst out of these three. Three nerdy movies on the horizon here. I think all for this year. Uh, man, Morbius really sucked. The Batman really sucked. Or Avatar 2 really sucked. Uh, Matt, I'll throw it to you first. Which which do you agree with more there? I mean, I, it's a toss-up between Morbius, Morbius and Avatar 2. The Batman's going to be great. Why is it even yeah. on the list? <laughs> yeah, the Batman looks incredible. It yeah. does. It does. And I, I am not easily convinced because I thought that they should just stop remaking Batman after obviously Nolan, uh, that there's no way you could come up with an interesting yeah. creative take, but it does look like that. And yeah. the other two, I haven't seen the trailer for Avatar 2. The Morbius trailer is one. fucking shit, dude. I, I don't think there is a trailer for Avatar 2 yet. Oh, well, yeah. Morbius looked no, terrible. Morbius looks I do not care yeah. about that at all. Yeah, but and Avatar 2 is like, obviously going to be bad. It's it's, it's <laughs> Avatar 1 came out 11 years ago. Yeah, they're like, yeah. oh shit, we got to 13 years back. ago. 2009, 13 years ago. We need money, guys. So I think, yeah, I think the Batman's going to be amazing. I like, I and yet there's still people crying online that Ben Affleck isn't playing Batman anymore. But I'm like, yo, Robert Pattinson looks really. He's going to be in the Flash anyway. If you want to see him again, yeah, yeah, because DC now just has this weird thing where they're just kind of like, we don't care about continuity or or a connected universe. Honestly, I, I respect it because like they can't keep up with how well Marvel does. So they're just like, whatever, make whatever movie you want. <laughs> yeah, they tr- they tried, they failed. It's over. Yeah. You know, that's it. Um, so that, the Batman's definitely going to be the best. Uh, I actually think Morbius will be okay. I think it's going to be like sort of corny, you know, it's going to be like, it, I, I don't know. I question if Jared Leto can deliver a performance like Tom Hardy in Venom, but if they go that direction where the movie doesn't take itself so seriously, which... Unfortunately, it's Jared Leto. And yeah, Leto. that's what I was about. Yeah. He can't. Did you see? You saw the trailer, right? Yeah. It's very much taking itself like, seriously. He like he can't, he can't like lean into the irony of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, if they take it the direction of Venom, like I think they've actually really found something with Venom. Like I think those movies are good because they're just fun and they're just like let's just make a fun action movie. It's almost like it's almost like Fast and the Furious esque, where they're just like. Let's like not pretend any of this makes sense, and let's just have a fun time with the the shit that we're given here, you know, and and just make a fun action movie. But yeah, it's probably not going to be like that. That said, I think Avatar Two is just by default going to suck because I didn't even think the first one was that good. So like, I I never understood. Does anyone think other than the people on How to with John Wilson at the? I don't know if you guys watched that show, but he went to like an Avatar uh, fan meetup and. It was uh, it was like six people, but um, <laughs> other than those people, I, I don't I, I don't know who thinks Avatar. But like everyone thought it was cool because of the 3D, but then I feel like almost immediately afterwards, everyone was like, "Wait, that movie kind of sucked, actually." Yeah, they they made Pocahontas of blue people. Yeah, like that's all they did. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just like you know James Cameron. Like I think that he conflated like making a good movie with making the best 3d movie that had ever come out. And people went just for like the experience of seeing. Yeah, cool wasn't 3d movie. also really new at that point. It was brand new. It was, yeah. it was the first movie fully in 3d. Yeah. Right. It was, so, and, and it was, and it was the first movie that was like shot in 3d. Yeah. So like, right. And like, and like animated in 3d. So yeah, it, so it looks really cool. It did. But yeah. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I'm of the basic opinion, like, it, it, that movie's going to suck. It's going to be terrible. There's no I way that would. Jake, can you 
tweeted us when this comes out and explained to us why the Batman is on this list. Do you not think the Batman is going to be good? Yeah, I, I if I will say, Jake, if you don't think the Batman's going to be good and you haven't watched the trailers yet, there's like two or three trailers now, I would watch the trailers because I think that movie's going to kick ass. Uh, maybe we'll be wrong, but I, I really doubt it. I think Here's the thing. You... I am the I am the closest to being immune to the superhero nerd shit, and even I think it looks cool. Yeah, even Zach, even Zach, <laughs> even even Zach, a connoisseur of yeah. fine art, a fine yeah. cinema gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, I know we're doing Lord of the Rings this time, but it would be really funny, and we shouldn't actually do it, but it'd be really funny to do rank the DC movies for our next um, Suicide Squad number one yeah. overall. Yeah, I mean, just like. Us all angrily talk about how much these movies suck would be would be really kind of boring. Otherwise, I would hate watch them. Actually, the funniest part is that it would be us talking about like being angry about the ones that suck, but then also being really angry about the ones that were really good that they didn't embrace and make more of. Like, like, uh, like you know, Wonder Woman was so good. Like, like why did you not embrace that style of movie more and like you know try to do that? And then you were yeah, I wish they had made a sequel. Yeah, wait, that sequel fucking no, sucked. Yeah, that was it. what I was getting at. The sequel was yeah, awesome. Oh my god, that movie no, I know. was like the worst movie I've ever seen. But even yeah, with that, I, it's was, like... That was, that, was the, uh, that was the bit, but they didn't actually make a sequel. Okay, my yeah. bad. I fucked up your bit. I'm sorry. But then it's also like, it's also like you know, even with the sequel, like, why was it so bad? That, like, like why was there no oversight to tell, you know, the people in charge of that movie, like, hey, this one's not as good as the first one. Can you? Fix oh no! It? See, what happened is there is oversight. They're just fucking idiots. Yeah, I guess that's it. But yeah, and, and I can't wait now. Like they released the suicides, the Suicide Squad, the the James Gunn one. Wait, did you not see it? No, it was amazing. No, he's about to talk about. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's incredible. It was so I was about to say they released that and that movie was amazing and I guarantee you they'll never go back to that format again because no, they'll do it. They're going to like didn't. People don't watch it apparently because I and I kind—I mean, this is kind of James Gunn's fault. He like demanded that he name it the Suicide Squad instead of something else, and people thought it was like the sequel to the Suicide Squad. Well, which and was also t- he super sort shitty. of got semi canceled, and also people are tired of DC. So I didn't give it a chance until I heard from multiple people that it was good. Yeah. He didn't really get I mean he was never actually really canceled. No, not now like canceled, but he got yeah. smoke, you know? Yeah, but like he got he only ended up on that like, movie. I would have immediately realized that it was like a bunch of fucking 4chan weirdos. Yeah, and yeah, also it's James yeah. Gunn, like wouldn't yeah. I, I, well, and he only he only ended up on that movie because of that. So that was yeah. already pretty well under the bridge. Yeah, I mean the Suicide Squad was so good. Yeah, but so funny. It, you're right, they're never gonna make a but Peacemaker is coming out, I think. Next yeah, what you, yeah, exactly. They're yeah. already expanding that shit. Yeah, but like they they were making that already when when they were making the movie, they were making it at the same time. I don't. I think Alex is right that it didn't do well. Apparently, which is unfortunate because it was so well, good. It was also on HBO Max release yeah. day. Hey, yeah, but they, like apparently nobody fucking watched it on HBO. All right, let's. Yeah. I'm, anyway. I'm saying there's going to be another James Gunn. I, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. But I just there don't think there will be. Book it, gentlemen. All right. Anyway. Moving That's to what our you next, get, Jake, for setting us off. <laughs> Moving <laughs> to our next question. Wow, we managed to turn this into a nerd pod again. We always do this. We suck, uh, or some might say we're great. Uh, you know, clearly we get some people, people ask us that. nerd questions on purpose because yeah, because uh, they know so. that we're nerds. All right, that's it for this first episode. Yes, I, I, we don't normally split these up, but this went freaking two and a half hours. So 
we're going to come back and uh, deliver the second part tomorrow uh, because this was, or maybe later today. I don't know. I'll decide as I'm editing it. Whatever. You'll have two podcasts in your feed one way or another uh, of Nick's mailed out bag this week. So keep an ear out. We'll have the second part coming out tomorrow. It's also like an hour and a half long because we're maniacs and you guys are maniacs for asking so many questions. Uh, but thanks for listening. Remember, go to Ticket IQ, use promo code Strickland to get $10 off your order of $100 or more. Sweet deal. Go see the Knicks in person. Yeah, I'm sure it's a lot of fun. Uh, but till next time, or till the second part of this episode, which is coming in not so long of an amount of time. Peace out, everybody. Talk to you all soon in the second part of the episode. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.